Hello, and welcome to The Top 3, a podcast where we discuss the definitive rankings of everything. I am your host, Kieran Davey. Today, I am joined once again by Chris Lance to discuss the top three epic songs of all time, songs that are longer than seven minutes. It's sure to be a great discussion. Let's dive in. Hi, Chris. Welcome back to the top three. What an honor to be a repeat guest. Yeah, it's it's awesome to have you back. Last time you were here, we talked about The Clash's incredible album, London Calling, and we're going to be talking about music again. Yep, that's uh, the best. So thank you for having me to talk. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a real privilege. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, I, you and I both share an affinity for making lists and ranking things, and so this is kind of up our alley. And this episode is, is epic songs, the long, sprawling musical moments, building off of some Facebook posts that we had made with a friend of ours, uh, Josh, who's been on a, at other episodes of the top three as well. A little quick history about that. So when Josh posted on our the super nerdy uh, list page that you and I are in, yeah. <laughs> and he posted his, his list of favorite epic songs, simultaneously, completely, completely separate from each other, I was working on the same kind of list at the same time. Oh, interesting. And like, this is a diverse page, like it's favorite Wes Anderson movies and like, it's all over the place. And we both had the same idea at the same time and he got his out first. So yeah, it was a nice kick in the pants for me to finish up mine and then compare. Yeah. Cause his came out first, then you had done your part two one, but I didn't know that it had both originated separately independently. That's really cool actually. Yep, I've been uh, ruminating on the idea based on uh, Led Zeppelin's Cashmere, which may or may not come up in this conversation. Mm-hmm. I was yep. thinking, like, I should list my favorite, like, truly epic songs, and then Josh beat me right to it. Well, I'm glad you mentioned, I mean, right off the bat, mentioned Led Zeppelin's Cashmere, because I think Led Zeppelin is definitely a band that is well known for their sprawling tunes, and we will definitely give them some love. It's nice to be talking about music again on the top three. Our last couple episodes, we've been a little varied talking about things like Halloween costumes and football players and <laughs> right. flavors. Makeup application. Yeah. yeah, all kinds of stuff. But we're bringing it back to essentially like the root of the top three because our first episode was on Beatles albums. That's right. So before we go any further, I have an apology to make okay. to your faithful listeners. And I have a I have a beef to issue with you, Karen. Okay. Okay. So... First, the apology. In the previous episode that I was on, I I was talking about some of my favorite drummers, and I said Larry Bonham Jr. <laughs> There's no drummer named Larry Bonham Jr. It's Larry Mullen Jr., obviously, yeah. uh, who was my first favorite drummer. And then John Bonham, yeah. Led Zeppelin, is my current and forever favorite drummer. And I mixed them up, and as soon as I heard that, I was so mad at myself. So apologies to your listeners no that's okay i missed it in the editing process too <laughs> uh, i should know better you were dreaming of the ideal drummer is the mix of you two and led zeppelin that must have been it's it. fused as one mm-hmm. and then my beef with you is i listened to the cereals episodes top three oh cereal. yeah i was in costco i had no cereal at home and i thought i i haven't had vector in forever and they spoke so highly of vector and i brought it home and i was so excited to try it again and it is not top three worthy at all it, <laughs> it <bad>. was <laughs> it's not bad but like 
Honey Bunches of Oats is in the same field of cereal, and it's just way better. I think, I, yeah, Oatmeal Crisp is also in that same area as well, and that's that's a good one. That is a good one, yeah. I might have been sucked in by the marketing as opposed to staying true. <laughs> you know, if we bring you on for another episode, we can redux the breakfast cereal. <laughs> that's right. Or I can bring on you and James, and you guys can go head-to-head. That's right, Battle Royale, yeah. Okay, well, I appreciate you clearing those up off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A gentle criticism. I understand where the love for Vector came from. And I mean, you know, there's so many episodes where, like, I disagree with myself in hindsight. <laughs> Man, there's yeah, lots of things I would do differently. An occupational hazard, yeah. Exactly. But this episode will be the definitive, no argument, guaranteed, correct uh, ranking. That's right, yeah. So for epic songs, to give some shaping into the conversation, I had brainstormed a little bit of criteria beforehand. So... For an epic song to be qualified for our list, it has to be at least seven minutes long. That was the length of time that you and Josh had originally decided upon. Out of curiosity, seven minutes, why seven specifically? Yes, I'm so glad you asked. So seven feels like the right length. The average pop song length on the radio is three and a half minutes. So it's like two songs. So like lengthwise, that makes sense. There's some great songs that you have to cut off if by making it seven and not six, like... Uh, I think Bohemian Rhapsody is in the six minutes and that is a truly epic song in every way, but will not make the cut. Yeah. I really like the idea of having it be two song lengths. If you were to lower it down to like six minutes per se, then it just opens the field way too wide, in my opinion too. Seven narrows down a little bit. But then once you bump it up to eight, then I think it narrows it a little bit too much almost. Also the number of perfection. It also does have that little ringing as well too. As you mentioned, Bohemian Rhapsody will not be making this cut due to it doesn't hit the seven minute mark. However, it does meet our second quality, which is kind of having movements less of a definitional thing and more of something we'll be using to evaluate the songs. It's not just seven minutes of the same thing, but having some kind of sprawling nature where the music evolves over time is really important. That's right. Yeah. Like there are truly epic songs that are just like maybe the music is pretty much the same all throughout or it builds slightly, but... Yeah, having that that dynamic suites within the same song is, I, I think, a good tiebreaker at least. I have a question for you. How do you differentiate between a song being epic and it merely being long? That's kind of what we're getting at with the movement pieces. In that, like, there's a lot of songs that are long without being epic. Um, I find this is my issue with a lot of like electronic or like techno music or like dance music, is that often the runtime will be long but it doesn't necessarily evolve in the way that I want it to. This is my issue with like a lot of Daft Punk's early work, for example. like Songs like Around the World or Too Long, I feel like they really lock in the groove, which is good for clubs and dancing, but it's not necessarily that... Uh, it doesn't have the dynamic kind of range that we're looking for on this episode specifically. There are some exceptions. I know we're, we're going to talk about a, a dance song for sure. Yeah, there's a few that I have flagged on our side, so we'll get to those. Another important distinction is we're not including any tracks that are like hidden tracks. So when like a song ends and there's a great deal of silence and there's a second hidden track woven in, we won't be considering those because those are two different songs that just happen to be linked together by the nature of the album. Agreed. Also, 
I have a bit of a bias against like scores, like movie scores. Yeah. And here's where if you were interviewing Josh for this, he would probably raise a, a stink about that. But you could do a whole separate list on best scores and, and I would listen to that for sure. Yeah, totally. We'll save that for a future episode. I mean, I think Josh included like Beethoven's Ninth Symphony on his list of epic songs. And he sure did. If we're bringing in classical music, I just think it gets a little bit too... We're going to start comparing apples and oranges a little bit. So for this episode, I was thinking that we would have no purely instrumental tracks. I agree. That means no classical stuff, no jazz, no movie scores. It also cuts out like post-rock bands like Godspeed You Black Emperor, which is too bad because they definitely have epic songs. Um, but we'll cut those out. And also no ambient tracks. So no like John Tavener or Brian Eno or anybody. One more distinction between epic and long, too. I think epic in the literary sense means like a journey, like a, um, that there's not just uh, builds uh, mountains and valleys musically, not just, but also in theme, in characters within in the song. So like we're not just looking for epic, like like California slang, like that's epic. <laughs> we're looking for like a more literal um sense of story and build like epic in like the original greek like homer poetic sense yep yeah yep. so it'll be interesting to see how much we how much weight we put on something like like lyricism the last eliminating factor i wanted to mention was no live versions of tracks because often they'll have a studio version of a song that then in the live concert will become the sprawling epic but I was thinking that that seems a little bit uh, cheating in my mind. I agree. Something like Led Zeppelin's Immigrant Song, which is two and a half minutes long, is like the most epic song there. It, <laughs> it checks all the boxes, but it's only two and a half minutes. But live, when they flush that thing out live, it can get to like nine, 10, 11 minutes long. Doesn't count for our purposes. No. And the biggest losers that I felt like with this qualification were a lot of the jam bands. So like Dave Matthews Band, the Grateful Dead, and the Allman Brothers Band, Fish. Those are bands that have like sprawling songs, but we won't be, you know, considering the, those live tracks. Okay, so before we dive in too much, out of curiosity, what do you like about, you know, epic songs? Uh, I like going on a journey. I like the dynamic. I like being swept away. Something that can hold your attention that long i think there's a there's a, a skill to that and a power to that i was listening to your list uh yesterday and today while i was shopping and so one of my criteria for evaluation is do i still feel something from this epic song while i'm like picking up eggs out of the cooler like <laughs> so there's this at least one song that i'm going to make mention of later that that I've heard a million times before. And even still, like I was in the, the dairy section and I got goosebumps listening to it. Definitely that like ability to take you different places. Epic songs are not always the ones that we go to, but then if we turn one on, we're ready to be fully immersed. It's a bit of a flex by the artist as well, I feel like. It is, yes. Yeah, some epic songs aren't epic. They're just like, just showing off 100%. It's kind of like similar when directors do like long uncut takes where it's a very stylish flourish that is like, hey, everybody, look at me doing this. Yeah, and I'm not a guitar solo guy. So a lot of times, a lot of times what makes a song epic is having a, like a two and a half minute guitar solo. And that usually bores me with some exceptions. But I like how you made the, the movie equivalent. Like a movie, I think of like Silence, Martin Scorsese's Silence. 
which is absolutely gorgeous. It's technically a masterpiece. Great performances all around. I will watch that maybe once every 15 years. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I can't go back to that all the time. It's, it's too epic. And there's, there's music like that too, that um, some songs that we'll shout out here are like that for me. I, it's not something I consume all the time, but if it's an epic song that you can listen to more often is that does that make it higher or lower than a song that is like truly great, but we only put it on when we're feeling in that zone. We'll we'll get to that as we go. Anything else that we want to cover before we dive in? No, I think that's good ground rules, good basis for conversation. Cool. Okay, so one way that I thought we could structure this conversation was talking about some of the epic songs in a few different genres before we narrow down to the top three. Some of the genres that I had thought of that you know we could chat about briefly: rap, rock, progressive rock, folk, and then like kind of contemporary. I kind of looped all together in terms of like dance, indie, and pop. And in the last like 15 years or so, seven plus minute songs have become much less common compared to like in the 70s or 80s, I think. I think that's really the, the heyday of like the epic songs with psychedelic rock flourishing and these big instrumental pieces. I would say the 70s for sure. Yeah, was the every band worth its weight had some epic eight minute long track centerpiece song for sure. Totally. And it maybe just speaks to the way that popular music has changed, that it's less and less common. But which genre do you think we should start with? I love that you started with rap, so why don't we start there? I had four artists that I wrote down. So I bet I, I, I can guess two of them immediately. Okay, okay, sure. There's two that are heads above everybody else. Yeah, so Kendrick and Kanye? Yeah, those are the two that I think are really known for having... I think they've really mastered the epic rap song. A lot of artists, rap artists, I think, try long songs not always successfully both kendrick and kanye i think have rap songs that are like truly epics in the music sense and in the the narrative sense too i agree and and kendrick especially his albums are always a narrative like a start to finish narrative and his centerpiece his anchors on all those albums are always the seven plus minutes super emotional doesn't sound like anything else in rap doesn't sound like anything else on the album and just gut punch epic songs. Yeah. The other two is uh, the Beastie Boys I wrote down, which is kind of unique because they also play a lot with medley as well. And medleys are kind of a unique piece in the epic song, whether they count or not. Yeah, the Beastie Boys' most famous epic song is B-Boy Booyah Bass. Paul's Boutique is Hip Hop's Abbey Road. They were like trying to make Hip Hop's Abbey Road. They even sample Abbey Road in Sound of Science. Their medley is... Uh, positioned at the end just like uh, the abbey road medley is and it's incredible it's not like i i included it on my list the booyah bass but it it is kind of like seven or eight or whatever different mini songs stitched together yeah that's why i felt like they probably deserved a shout out but i wasn't sure if we would end up including them because similar to like the abbey road medley is incredible but is really a bunch of other songs that are crafted together and so i feel the same way with a lot of the Beastie Boys stuff. Yeah, I agree. And who's your fourth? The fourth one I wrote down was Tyler, the creator. Oh, cool. He, I know, like one of their early tracks back when he was still kind of making music with Odd Future primarily, they had this long song called Oldie, which was kind of a sprawling rap thing. But as he's continued to kind of evolve as an artist, I feel like Tyler's done a lot of really cool experimentations with like longer form rap stuff. Um, on his most recent album, he had a song called Wilshire. 
Yes, it's great. Which is really cool. And like totally has that narrative quality. That's the one where he's rapping about his romantic interests. It's a great narrative, long form song. I love it too. Yeah. And so he was somebody who I feel like as a modern rapper is doing cool stuff with narratively and experimenting with the form in a cool way. Yeah. So he was somebody. Do you know anybody else that you had on your side on the rap? Yeah. The only other one I would throw in there for 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 rap um pitchfork just released its list of best songs of the 90s or whatever i love outcast this isn't one of my favorite songs of theirs but spotty yadi dopalicious is like another long narrative rap song and rap more than any other any other genre except maybe folk the epic songs tend to be stories and so they really fit that literary criteria that we're looking for definitely and i think like just due to the nature of this podcast episode, because we're trying to tackle so many genres, I think we're definitely going to do each genre, genre a bit of a disservice. And early hip hop, early hip hop, all they did was just play a disco break on loop over and over and rap over top of it for like 14 minutes. Like yeah. <laughs> the earliest rap singles are crazy long and, but they're not epic in that sense. They're just long. Yeah, that's a good point. Like something like, like Funky 4 Plus 1, Sugar Hill Gang. Like they, their runtime is nuts. Yeah, like Rapper's Delight, I think is a good example of this. It's like seven or eight minutes, but it's mostly just a long song as opposed to like a truly epic one that evolves in the way that we're looking for. And it changed the world. Like we're not saying it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> it's just for our purposes today. No, exactly. So then in terms of rap, we mentioned Kanye and Kendrick as kind of the two giants in this area. For the purpose of crafting our episode and only bringing a set number of songs forward, we want to put on the... Hmm. limitation of choosing like one song per artist that we want to bring with us this it's actually pretty easy to to pick the kendrick and the kanye song because we've mentioned josh's list which was formative for both of us there's my list there's your list there's only three songs that are on all three of our lists they're around 25 songs long and there's three songs that are on all three one of them is kendrick sing about me i'm dying of thirst one of them is kanye's runaway and I'll save the third as a reveal for later because it doesn't fit in this genre. But those are two excellent submissions. No, I agree. And, and Kanye has a few other ones that I think are notable. But Runaway is truly his most like epic in terms of that sprawling nature, I think. Yeah, I, like for me, I used to hate that song. Me too, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to think it was stupid overrated. In that album narrative, and as I've chewed on it and just my own personal life, the circumstances in my own life, that song has taken on new, super powerful meaning to me personally in the last year and a bit. I would have been reluctant to even discuss it earlier, in, but it's a masterpiece, but it is also truly epic. Like it, it serves as a Kanye's apology. I, I hate platforming Kanye these days. You know, there's that for sure, but that song in that moment from that artist feels like he could use another apology song right about now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And then Kendrick, I think is just really masterful in terms of his long form lyricism. I'm glad that sing about me. I'm dying of thirst is the one that we'll bring forward. There's a case that could be made for something like fear. I, I think fear. He maybe perfects that formula a little more to me, but sing about me is it's so good <laughs> it's, it's really three songs in one it's got like a, a a skit even in the middle but the skit is central to the whole album of good kid mad city it's the turning point for everything happening in that whole in, in his real life too like the song is based on a true story 
Uh, it takes three different perspectives. It takes the perspective of his friend whose brother died and wants to get vengeance. It takes the perspective of a woman who he sang about on an earlier album who turned to prostitution and he had condemned her in it, that earlier song. And here he empathizes with her. He, he's got a different rapping voice for each one, which is epic in its own sense, right? It takes all these different themes, all these different characters, and he makes it into a cohesive whole. Uh, do you remember the first time you heard that song? I think it was right around when um, To Pimp a Butterfly came out. And uh, I remember that I was I, I was skateboarding at nighttime and I was listening to Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst. It was a cool, it was a cool moment. The first time I heard Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst was the first time I heard uh, Good Kid, Mad City. And I was playing Nintendo, listening on, in the background, which is how I would always get my first listen to a, an album in was while I was doing something else. And it was dark and I was in my room. My wife was sleeping beside me. I remember like when, when he's rapping from the perspective of his friend that even if I die, and then there's a do do do. There's the gunshots, and he dies mid verse. Yeah, that, like, I had to pause my game and rewind and listen to it fresh. Like, let's give it the attention it deserved. It definitely is, is truly epic in kind of all senses of the word. I'm also glad that you mentioned listening to music while playing video games because I remember like in high school that was how i explored a lot of iconic albums from like the 70s a lot of like pink floyd albums or like led zeppelin like most of led zeppelin's albums i listened to the first time similarly like yeah we'll play in call of duty and just like you know hanging out on when i was 16 <laughs> oh that's cool yeah it's kind of a fun way to experience both mediums <laughs> yeah i'm so selective with the music i listen to that before it gets like prime position of listening in the car or like listening in the shower really when it has my full attention it's got its work its way up there so it has to work in the background before it works in the foreground so then let's take those two songs with us what genre next uh let's do rock cool okay so i'd separated those into two different categories one was kind of like the progressive rock or like psychedelic rock of the 70s and then i had just like more conventional like rock and roll I think maybe we can we can tackle progressive rock first. And so for this, yeah, I was thinking bands like like Pink Floyd would fit in here, Rush or Yes, King Crimson, The Doors. Like these are all kind of bands that really specialize in like sprawling songs. I guess Genesis would also go in here in their earlier stage. Listening through your playlist, you had a lot of prog rock. Yeah, and I was like, that is so cool. <laughs> My group of friends when I was in high school really introduced me to a lot of like 70s prog rock and psychedelic rock. A lot of them play music. And from a musician standpoint, and this is also what people say, like detractors of prog rock, is it's just musicians doing really cool technical stuff, like really complicated time signatures and, and things like that. Um, so it can get a little bit like showy, but it does result in some real masterpieces of music similar to how rap i feel like we could talk about this forever same with prog we could talk about forever in terms of epic stuff a band like genesis just countless seven plus minute songs i don't know how much i want to bring into the final tier just so our list doesn't get bogged down with like really niche prog rock i think maybe just some that i'll give shout outs to and then you can let me know if any of these resonate with you and that you want to bring with you sure with genesis for example things like watcher of the skies Dancing with the Moonlit Night, The Cinema Show, Firth of Fifth, Supper's Ready. These are all like epic sprawling songs, but maybe are a little bit more niche for our conversation. Two tracks by The Doors I thought were really wonderful. Riders in the Storm and then The End is one that I also thought was like very epic in its evolution of music, but also narratively. 
Yeah, Riders on the Storm and the End are both like they're worthy inclusions. I have a bias against the Doors. I think musically the Doors are incredible, but I think Jim Morrison as a lyricist is the most overrated musician in the history of popular music. <laughs> Especially his lyrics on the end. Wow. Except for the chorus. The chorus is great, but like some of his lyrics are just dopey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the most overrated lyricist in all of music is uh, a bold take. That's another top three episode we could do. Top three Ooh, most that's overrated fine. lyricists. But uh, okay, that might be enough to you know disqualify our Doors songs. Yeah, but I'm glad you mentioned them because both those songs are truly epic, especially in connection with Vietnam, the jazz element they bring in. That, that gets us some jazz on this list a little bit too. Like they're a worthy mention for sure. Yeah. And then a band like Rush, which has like some Rush songs like Xanadu or Hemispheres. They also have kind of really sprawling prog songs or a yes. Um, some of the yeses songs are like Roundabout or in You and I. Most of their work is plus seven minutes. It's kind of what they do. The band that I felt like really should talk about was Pink Floyd. They're definitely the ones that's the most well-known and i think make some of the best kind of like prog or like psychedelic rock or psychedelic i guess than progressive yeah let's talk about pink floyd because i don't know about i don't know anything about yes genesis i really digged the yes songs that were on your list though like i i got into those so I, that's something i gotta check out yeah definitely also as a as a since you're a drummer as well i feel like you gotta listen to more prog because they do really cool stuff they do yeah like i especially neil pert like, I know he's absolutely legendary, but he's not a drummer I really connect with because he's so technically perfect. And it's interesting that we're talking about, so we're elevating prog so much in this list because the last that's time... That's more to my, that's my bias, I think. <laughs> no, I, like I, I have those tendencies in my music taste too, but it's just funny because last time I was on, we talked about London Calling and punk was a response to prog and these sprawling, meandering, bloated rock songs. We're multifaceted. That's right. We are, we contain multitudes. Have you listened to the song 21st Century Schizoid Man by King Crimson? Yes. Famously sampled by Kanye in Power? Yes. I had heard that song all on its own before Kanye sampled it, but Kanye's use of it. Really, really, really good. One of the great samples. It is so great. Yes. You had actually two songs really high on your list that were sampled by Kanye because that Curtis Mayfield song, Yeah. Uh, Move On Up, that's sampled in Touch the Sky also to totally excellently yeah curtis mayfield this is not related to rock at all but curtis mayfield is one of the artists that i've been really loving these days he has a few songs that are kind of long and sprawling like tripping out or if there's hell below we're all gonna go and then move on up is probably his most famous one very very good nothing like a good long extended funk jam 100 percent, exactly but bringing it back to Pink Floyd, the, I guess the antithesis of funk jams. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of Pink Floyd songs do we want to think about? So you had some very worthy submissions that I'll let you talk about. The one that I had on my list was Time. This is a controversial one. <laughs> it is, yeah. I had to make note because Spotify divides it up into two songs, which would disqualify it by our time measurements. But I have it as 704, and I don't remember it's the album version or what it is. Um, really, you could take all of Dark Side of the Moon and consider it one epic song. <laughs> like, Yeah, tell me about uh, yours. You, you had one that I knew and one that I didn't know. Yeah, well, the two Pink Floyd songs that I was really, that I think need to be talked about in any epic conversation 
are Echoes from their album Metal, and then Shine On You Crazy Diamond from Wish You Were Here, which actually is separated up into parts one to five at the start, and then parts six to nine at the end of the album. Probably parts one to five is the most iconic one. It opens the album Wish You Were Here and is, in my opinion, kind of one of the more exquisite pieces of music from the 70s. It's a powerhouse, and that's the one that I knew was Shine On You Crazy Diamond, but I hadn't heard that song in probably 20 years. It's thematically epic because it's about about Sid Barrett, right? Their, their bandmate who had severe mental health issues, which makes the use of the word crazy a little problematic, but it was meant as a tribute and it's an expression of grief um, and celebration. So I, I think that song is a very worthy submission. Yeah. I mean, Pink Floyd has they have a few sprawling tracks. I personally lean towards Shine On You Crazy Diamond. So I, I would recommend that we bring that one. I really wish Comfortably Numb broke the seven minute mark. True. I thought it did, but it does. it's just over six minutes and that's too bad. It just falls short. Similar to Bohemian Rhapsody, I think, is one of the big losers of our seven minute mm-hmm. marker. But also the song Time, ironically, is a little bit too short. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't meet the time qualifications. Yeah, exactly. Uh, other rock songs that I've written down. The Beatles have some really great epic songs, but the one that we both have is Hey Jude. You had a few Beatles songs, didn't you? You had I Want You, She's So Heavy. Yeah, the two Beatles songs that I had thought about, I Want You, She's So Heavy, and Hey Jude, I think, were the two sprawling Beatles songs that I felt like would fit well. Between the two of those, I think Hey Jude is probably the one that we would have to consider. It's more famous, more well-known, and also I think maybe more has that like evolution, whereas like I Want You, She's So Heavy just really builds. Uh, hey Jude, I think, transitions in unique ways. I Want You, She's So Heavy also has movements it's got the the i want you like the jazzier part and then it's got like that really grueling thumping what becomes the outro but yeah i think hey jude moving forward like and it's not epic thematically like it's very small thematically it's like about it's about john lennon's son it's like hey the world's not so bad and you're little but you'll experience love like it's small thematically it's got a big sing-along it's got it kind of set the standard for that kind of rock song with a, a long coda, which the other song that I would mention similarly would be Layla by Derek and the Dominoes. Yeah, definitely. Clapton does the same thing as Hey Jude. Two very different musical pieces stitched together to make they complement each other really well. Layla, I think, is a perfect example of a song that is truly better because it's so sprawling. I think if you have just the first part, or just the second part on their own, it does not work as well. But combine the two of them together, I think, makes something kind of truly spectacular. That, like, really scorching guitar, the first half of Layla, that's, like, one of the best guitar riffs ever. And then I think the piano riff at the end is one of the most beautiful piano riffs ever put to, to record. It's so gorgeous. By themselves, they would both be separately powerful songs, but together, they each bring each other out. It makes the guitar that much more brutal and it makes the piano that much more beautiful and similar to kanye i i don't like platforming eric clapton (laughs) yeah he's got some kanyeistic tendencies but there's no denying that layla is a masterpiece and totally deserving on this list yeah definitely two kind of great rock songs both hey Hey jude and layla one worthy submission i want to say for rock before i forget is um can't always get what you want by the Rolling Stones. Yeah, Rolling Stones not as well known for their sprawling nature, but it's a great submission. Yeah, they're definitely more known for their super tight guitar pop. 
if there's a song about rain by a famous band, it tends to be long. So like Purple Rain, November Rain, The Rain Song are all like seven plus minutes long. That's a great pickup. I love that. I don't know if I would bring any of those three with us to the end, but I would want to give them a, a shout out here. It's all worth of, worthy of a shout out for sure. I, I'm glad you brought up Zeppelin. Yeah, 100%. The two kind of big rock things that I want to talk about, one was a Led Zeppelin conversation because they have a whole bunch of songs. And I think choosing which one we'll bring with us to the end will be tricky. And then also the song Freebird, I think, by Leonard Skinner is kind of iconic as being the epic. This may be what you were getting at with the five-minute-long guitar solo is maybe a bit boring for you. It is epic. It's so epic, in fact, that it's become a total cliched punchline. It's like a meme before memes existed. Exactly. And I never really got into that song. There's no denying its epic nature. But I think I think we got to talk Zeppelin for sure. Their songs make you feel like you're in a Viking longboat or like totally. you're rushing on horseback into battle like because they're so influenced by fantasy. Their songs fit the thematic, literary sense of epicness as well. What Zeppelin songs did you have kind of shortlisted? There were like a few ones I thought of, but then two kind of big ones that rose above in my mind. To me, the, the two most obvious big ones are Kashmir, which is sonically and thematically to me kind of the definition of an epic song like the the platonic ideal the one on your list that i'd be willing to to platform right up there with cashmere is stairway to heaven and this day and age stairway to heaven i feel like maybe is become a bit of like a passe kind of like bohemian rhapsody people are like oh yeah 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 we know that song a little dismissively but i think if you're hearing stairway to heaven for the first time it's remarkable. Yeah. It, if you take out all the noise about it being overplayed and, and cliche, it is an unreal achievement in songcraft. Totally. And as we mentioned, like evolves in that epic way we're looking for. It does. There's, there's several movements in that song. That's the song that I mentioned earlier. I was in the grocery store. I've heard Stairway to Heaven. How many times have I heard Stairway to Heaven? After the guitar solo, and as we wind on down the road, that part... I felt the goosebump for real. Like I was like, this song absolutely rules, man. Yeah, exactly. And probably today in like just kind of rock and roll circles, it's not like cool to get goosebumps from Stairway to Heaven, but it's it's <laughs> incredible what they what they achieved. When the Levy Breaks on that album is also really, really good as a long song, but I don't know if it evolves and also doesn't have the the narrative quality I think that we're looking for to the same degree that Stairway does. But when the Levy Breaks it's epic in, in and of itself, but it was also sampled in some truly epic songs. And so its ongoing legacy is continued epicness. But yeah, Stairway to Heaven. I mean, Stairway to Heaven stayed on the charts. It was the most requested song in Edmonton, the, the classic rock radio station. It was the most requested song until like the mid 80s. Bizarre that it's a hit, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it, it's that long and it's that weird. And like Zeppelin has other songs like that that are shorter and more digestible, but it became Stairway. Yeah, truly different times than we are in now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. For, I guess for a rock, out of all the bands that we mentioned, we'll just bring Hey Jude, Layla, Shine On You, Crazy Diamond, and Stairway to Heaven with us. Our folk conversation, I think, will be a little bit shorter. There's one guy, right? Centered around Bob Dylan. It's Bob. Yeah. There's a few kind of shout outs I'll give as little offshoots um i think fleet foxes are doing pretty cool things musically it's like more contemporary folk 
Wilco has a bunch of like they kind of divvy between folk and indie rock. Also, Sufjan has some long. He's very folk influenced. His early stuff, especially, and then all, later we would include him in the like indie electronic. Yeah, I was gonna save Sufjan specifically until we get into the more like contemporary stuff because uh, he dabbles in both folk and kind of more indie and more electronic. So he's a little bit sprawling in that way. So I was gonna save the Sufjan conversation for a little bit later. He'll make an appearance for sure. Two other kind of earlier folk stuff that I wanted to mention, um, the song Astral Weeks by Van Morrison. Speaking of musicians that we don't really enjoy platforming these days. <laughs> That's right, yeah. But the track, it's kind of like folk jazz. It's like really sprawling stuff. It's so pretty. And then we already mentioned Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. I think Sweet Judy Blue Eyes maybe is worth actually bringing into our next conversation. It truly has distinct movements and is just such a masterpiece of songwriting. Mm-hmm. And like Hey Jude ends with the most like sing along sing song coda that like perfectly wraps up everything that came before i love that song a lot but let's focus on uh bob dylan as our preeminent folk epic uh songwriter yeah honestly we could have just done top three epic bob dylan songs and it would still be we would still have to battle it out because you and josh have uh with god on our side you both have that song on your list yeah, big fan of that one. I don't know if it has the musical evolution. There's other songs like, you know, Stuck Inside of Mobile with the Memphis Blues again. Oh man, I love that song. Visions of Johanna. Like these ones I think have more musical stuff going on. With God on Our Side, it's really beautiful lyrically. Yeah, it's epic lyrically. Is what. Yeah, it's absolutely eviscerating anybody who would use God's name to commit violence. Just such a strong like anti-war song. It's pretty incredible. Um, and the other ones that I'd written down, Desolation Row and Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands are both huge tracks. And then I know your favorite one that I think you had included. Yeah, so I mentioned my number two on my list was Cashmere. My number one is uh, It's Alright Mom, Only Bleeding. So tell me why that one is kind of your preeminent Dylan epic track. Yeah, it's not epic in musical transformation. It's epic in the sense that he's taking on all the hypocrisies and injustices and brokennesses of Western civilization all in one track. It's incredible. The imagery he uses, like I used to be a pastor and I didn't quite have the guts to base an entire sermon series around just that one song, but I considered it. (laughs) Even though we're not going to bring it forward, I don't think into the list. I think there's better options from Bob, but I just want to make mention my, my favorite lines from the song. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one who sings with his tongue on fire, gargles in the rat race choir, bent out of shape from society's pliers. Love that. It's not he or she or them or it that you belong to. It's great. Made everything from toy guns that spark to flesh-colored Christ that glow in the dark. It's easy to see without looking too far that not much is really sacred. Amazing. Money doesn't talk. It swears. I love that line so much. One of my favorite songs that's ever been written in, in popular music is He Not Busy Being Born Is Busy Dying. What a absolute poet. Just incredible. Just a master of like this sprawling epic, like eviscerating song, but also just just really pithy one-liners too. It's all right, Ma. That one's kind of your personal favorite one. Is that the one that we should be bringing forward? Like I could get on board with bringing with God on our side forward because you and Josh both had that one and you had It's All Right, Ma as well. Yeah, that's a tough choice between the two. It's heads or tails here because they're both incredibly lyrically epic and accomplish similar things as like societal cultural critiques since you have such a personal attachment to it's all right ma i'm okay for that one to be the one that we bring forward 
countless other Dylan tracks are worthy of consideration. That's right. He's got epic breakup songs. He's got epic social commentary songs. He's got epic anti-war songs. He's got epic songs about dying. He's got epic songs. Like, he's got an epic song for everything. Doesn't do as many dance tracks, that Bob Dylan. (laughs) Can you imagine? Things for the wedding dance floor, you know? (laughs) Okay, well, let's um, talk a little bit about some modern epic songs we've already touched on a few modern artists like wilco and fleet foxes so there's a bunch of like indie bands that are doing this and a bunch of you know some techno and electronic artists there's only two kind of real real mainstream artists that i could find epic songs by one from like several like many years ago is uh, frank ocean i think with his song pyramids epic like r&b i guess tell me about your connection with that song because I want to hear about it. I don't actually have a huge personal connection to Pyramid specifically, but I just wanted to give it a shout out. One of the modern epic R&B songs, which I feel like is a little bit of a rare field. Uh, so I never got into Frank Ocean. I haven't given him the, the time that I'd like to, but all I knew about Pyramids was the music video, which was raved about. And I think it's NSFW. <laughs> I think it's, I think like, cause the strip club club portion of the song, I think r-rated for that reason so i only knew it in connection to a like really well done semi-controversial video never really gave the song a saw listen until this morning and it it is beautiful and powerful but i don't know enough about it to have a conversation about it included on this list personally yeah i think if we had either of us had more of a personal connection we maybe would be able to discuss it more maybe we'll just mention it here another one i wanted to mention that is probably the most famous recent epic song is um taylor swift's 10 minute version of the song all too well oh yeah probably in the last like five years that's probably the longest song that has gotten like mainstream popularity people definitely talk about how like all too well the 10 minute version is far superior to like the shorter version like it's a mainstream hit in a genuine sense is that the song she did on snl oh i'm not sure (laughs) it could be i think it is and, well, it was a big deal because SNL typically has their musical guests do two slots, one in the middle, one at the end of the show. And she did her entire slot at once and all 10 minutes all at once on SNL. And that was a big deal for nerds like me. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of like most of the kind of music fandom at the moment, maybe we'll just mention Taylor Swift's All Too Well song as opposed to bringing it forward. Other long songs that I wanted to just mention in passing. Arcade Fire has a Reflector. Does Reflector meet the time requirement? Oh, seven and a half. Yeah. Why didn't I have Reflector on my list? Because it's my favorite Arcade Fire album. That's one of my favorite of theirs. Why didn't I think of Reflector? What's wrong with me, Kieran? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. That that album and a lot of the other stuff, like I mentioned, have like several five, six minute songs. And so Reflector just happens to be one of the few that cracked the seven-minute mark. Okay, well, let's talk about Reflector, because that that song is epic in its own sense. I think it's thematically epic. It's talking about a world where we are beholden to our technology. It features David Bowie, which is epic. (laughs) It's got the little piano interlude, then explodes outward. It's a worthy sub... Why didn't we... Why didn't I include it? I mean, there's a lot of songs out there. That's a glaring oversight. I'm glad I was able to find one that you had uh, missed originally. That's fun for me. Yeah, great, great uh, point out. I just mentioned David Bowie. His Black Star album is an absolute masterpiece. I, I love that album. And he's got a few epic songs on there. 
including the title track, Black Star. It's 10 minutes, and he had to cut it. He trimmed it down to 10 minutes because there's something with iTunes would have to market it different on it. You couldn't buy it individually on iTunes or something. He's so for his fans, he cut it down to exactly 10 good listener. If you haven't seen the music video for black star by David Bowie, do yourself a flippant service and go watch that. Well, I, I haven't seen the music video for black stars. That's a omission on my part. I gotta check it out. It's like a mini epic fantasy sci-fi masterpiece. I wanna check it out. It's a little crushing to hear that David Bowie is having to, cut down his songs to the whims of iTunes. Yeah, That's yeah. like a little bit depressing. Well, he didn't have to. He could have kept it as long as he wanted, but he, he did it for the fans so that they could it would be included in the album or something. I forget what exactly. What's also epic about that song is that he wrote that album, released it on his birthday, which is beginning of January 2016. It was released on a Friday. Everybody loved it. Three days later, he dies of cancer that nobody knew he had. He kept a secret. And it was a type of cancer that, that is nicknamed Black Star. So like the the album wrestles with he is a star with a blackness inside of him, literally. A black hole is also a dying star. What a metaphor. Thematically. Oh yeah, it's it's so epic. And it's an the whole album is an artist wrestling with death. Other great version of that, this isn't now we're getting a little bit off topic, but uh, uh Leonard Cohen's final album you want it darker i think it's also similarly just the graveliest voice ever captured on tape singing about mortality like in their final days yeah and i think it was released posthumously too intense stuff i gotta revisit black star man oh it's great for the purpose of time some other uh ones we'll mention quickly uh tame impala and my morning jacket kind of two indie artists that have long sprawling tracks um, circuital and let it happen kind of respectively let it happen i would push for its inclusion in the top three i think oh really that, oh i not only do i love that song but i think it is truly you know what every time i listen to that you know what i think of i think of the scene in 2001 the most epic movie ever made <laughs> the stargate sequence where they're going into the black hole or whatever and it's all the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's that song is like the the audio equivalent of those visuals it, oh man okay i wasn't expecting you to push that one forward but sure let's bring it up it definitely is like a worthy inclusion like lyrically it's not very epic so maybe that's a disqualifier but it is advanced musically sonically yeah for sure the multiple hooks the massiveness of the synths the like chopping angular drums like i i can't help but feel like epic feelings listening to that song like i i get real into it every time yeah (laughs) shifting i guess from indie into the dance world i guess lcd sound system and daft punk have both have several songs plus seven minutes long i'm just gonna make mention of it and then we can move on of songs in that genre for my list that are like electronic or dance so i've got closing shot by lindstrom Guilt Trips Sink Ships by Shout Out 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 Out, which is a band from Edmonton, which is wonderful. What Goes Around by Justin Timberlake. Yeah, I saw this on your list and I thought it was kind of funny to have a Justin Timberlake track on our epic songs list. It's epic. It's an epic, epic breakup song. Why They Hide Their Bodies Under My Garage by Girl Band. I think they changed their name now. Uh, Bend Over Beethoven by Chick Chick Chick, which uh, is three exclamation marks. That song builds and then relieves the tension, quiets down, and then builds up huge. Uh, Pylon by Lacquer, an electronic apocalypse unfolding in your brain. 
Um, oh, stem, long stem transmission too by DJ Shadow. Yeah, you definitely have a much deeper breadth of dance track knowledge than I do, but I'm glad you mentioned those. I assume the one that you're thinking will land on is by LCD Sound System. So LCD Sound System has the two kind of big tracks, All My Friends and then Dance Yourself Clean. And I know that you veer more towards Dance Yourself Clean. Mm-hmm, I do. You and Josh both had All My Friends, but all three of us had Dance Yourself Clean. I'm down for Dance Yourself Clean to be the one that we're bringing up as just a, what an explosion of sound. I'm, I'm deeply informed by two things with this song being so epic. Number one, it's the most epic shower song of all time. <laughs> you can literally dance yourself clean. Very nice uh, dad humor there. Yeah, well, yeah. It's just reality, my friend. <laughs> but the second thing that I'm deeply influenced by is uh, mutual friends of ours, the Nakanos and the Buttries. Shout out to them. They both played this song at their wedding dances. And those are the two greatest wedding dances I've ever been to. And that song was like a, a centerpiece song in both. That I have epic emotional connections to that song that way too. Yeah, that's awesome. One of the songs I think that most perfectly does the quiet to explosively loud transitions for the first time you're listening to it you like have on a headphones you crank it way up and then it just booms out of your ears <laughs> when the drums kick in so big and the the synths and it gets really danceable it's just a truly epic moment well i'm glad we're bringing that one forward daft punk also has a lot of long songs on their most recent album random access memories they have two kind of really long epic tracks they have giorgio by mordor and then touch Giorgio Moroder is he's an epic influence on all of these dance songs we've just mentioned I don't really like touch as a song I hate to say but I haven't given it much of a chance so I got really into Daft Punk in the last couple months specifically I kind of rediscovered random access memories on its own terms and they're doing really cool stuff it is it's a cool album and the top 10 most wanted records of all time Pink Floyd has three on the list, which is nuts. And number one was Random Access Memories. That's fascinating. Most Wanted. Okay, cool. Well, then I think the last artist that we have to discuss before kind of diving into our upper tier picks is uh, Sufjan Stevens. Another truly epic artist. 52 song Christmas albums. Yeah. <laughs> Gigantic, sprawling instrumental like meditation albums whole instrumental sequences based on the planets and i'm gonna make an album for every state in america yeah. like you know just yeah, right. an epic individual in lots of ways there's so many different forms of sufyan and he includes epicness in all the forms whether it's like really stripped down acoustic folk like carrie and lowell is epic it's small scale epic in fact i don't think it gets any more small scale epic than Carrie and Lowell. Yeah, none of those songs meet our time criteria, but I don't know if there's anything that's like been as emotionally resonant as like his Carrie and Lowell album. The brand of Sufjan that I love the most is the Illinois, Michigan, the States brand, where he had like plays every instrument in it. They're all the sprawling folk with weird instrumentation. And but you and Josh both have um, Impossible Soul on your list. Of course, yeah. Because so when I was making my kind of writing down a bunch of Sufjan songs, I mean he has a bunch of long songs like "Oh God, Where Are You Now" is like a oh, personal favorite of mine. I love that song so much. I, I also love that song. And then some of his other like more glitchy electro stuff, the track "Age of Odds" or "Christmas Unicorn," both are fun in their own way. 
And then Impossible Soul, I think, like, when we're talking about epic songs, even though Oh God, Where Are You Now is, like, a personal favorite of mine, I think Impossible Soul at 25 minutes runtime and, like, closing off the Age of Odds album, I think it's kind of undeniable. Age of Odds is very low on my list of favorite Sufjan albums. Man, I love Age of Odds. I think, like, he's just doing such cool stuff musically, and it really gets into my brain in a cool way. Creative, it's interesting. It just doesn't connect with me. Like, maybe it's because he's not quite as personal in that album as he is on other albums. I don't know. Like, now that I'm older, or, like, Vesuvius, or, like, All For Myself, I just, like, those are some of my favorite Stephen Stevens songs. They're so sick. <laughs> yeah, I... I need to give Age of Odds more of a chance, but uh, I'm really glad you mentioned Oh God, Where Are You Now? Because Michigan is his underrated masterpiece. I think Illinois is a better album front to back, but in Michigan, he does the long meditative really well. Oh God, Where Are You Now? also has a more epic song title because it's not just Oh God, Where Are You Now? It's Oh God, Where Are You Now? In Pickerel Lake, Pigeon, Marquette, Mackinac. <laughs> So then if that's one that speaks to us personally, but then Impossible Soul is massive, which one do we want to bring with us? Oh God, Where Are You Now sounds tame and low-key, but wrestling with faith is a pretty epic thing to do. <laughs> so Impossible Soul is nowhere on my radar for a list of, of most epic songs. So Yeah, you might be an outlier, at least among our uh, nerdy social circle. <laughs> I think a lot of them hold Impossible Soul really highly. But uh, maybe let's shake things up and let's go with the far underrated Oh God, Where Are You Now? That gives us, I think, 11 songs by my count. So we breezed through that in, what, an hour? So <laughs> An epic podcast episode. That's right. Fitting. Yeah. Yeah. So the tracks that we're kind of currently working with. So we have Runaway by Kanye West, Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst by Kendrick, Hey Jude by The Beatles, Layla by Eric Clapton, or technically by Derek and the Dominoes. Uh, Shine On You Crazy Diamond, Parts 1 to 5 by Pink Floyd. Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. Sweet Judy Blue Eyes by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. It's All Right, Mom, Only Bleeding by Bob Dylan. Let It Happen by Tame Impala. Dance Yourself Clean by LCD Sound System. And then Oh God, Where Are You Now by Sufjan Stevens. A bit of like boomer energy in our list, but we have some <laughs> modern representations. So it's, uh, it's a little balanced. That's okay. Yeah, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. They made more epic songs... It's true, in, in the 70s and stuff. Or more by quantity, not by quality. So how do we want to approach this section, narrowing it down from 11 to th only three? <laughs> I think we need to include a rap song. Why don't we do one rap song, one classic rock song in all its iterations of what classic rock is, and one newer modern song? Yeah, and then we'll see where Bob Dylan falls in the midst of that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. So then for the rap, I would put forward um, Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst over Runaway. I think uh, production-wise, kind of Kanye is kind of the master in that sense. I think Kendrick lyrically, and as you mentioned, doing all the different voices and perspectives, does more. I think Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst is pretty undeniable. Uh, that's great because for two reasons. A, then we don't have to continue platforming Kanye. <laughs> even though I have really deep personal connections with that song. And second of all, because Kendrick has a song like Sing About Me on every one of his massively influential, massively popular, enormously talented albums, it's kind of a placeholder for all of them. So I, yeah, let's go with Kendrick. Cool. Yeah, that sounds great to me. And it'll also be interesting if we're bringing this song forward. I wonder then if 
I wonder if that'll bump out Bob Dylan as like a lyrical piece. And you know what? Okay, so because Bob was number one on my list and because I've been a massive Bob Dylan fan for 20 plus years, I feel like I have the authority to say it's okay to bump Bob from this list. Uh-huh. <laughs> because very few artists do I consider more epic than Bob Dylan lyrically, in his imagery, in his career. But I think for our purposes today, it doesn't quite capture what we're looking for. It's all right, Ma. It's kind of the same throughout, which makes it meditative. Yeah, but it is a long song in that sense of doing the same thing for a long period of time, even though lyrically it's incredibly epic. Yeah, and what he's doing musically is is perfect and beautiful as well. But I'm okay with bumping Bob. Sorry, Bob. That's okay. I think he'll he'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Other ones I think we could probably bump. Uh, I think Sweet Judy Blue Eyes also gets bumped out. I also think Hey Jude probably gets bumped out. Yep, I'm okay. Like, the Beatles are the best. Everybody knows they're the best. They don't need to be here. There's other places they would be number one. So then, uh, for our rock tracks, we have three pretty titanic rock tracks. Uh, we have Layla, Shine On You, Crazy Diamond, and Stairway to Heaven. Myself, personally, I would take Pink Floyd out of there, although they do capture a bit of that progginess they for do. you. They do, yeah. Zeppelin also does, though. Zeppelin is very proto-prog. I think Stairway to Heaven, probably, even though it feels cliche, I kind of feel like that one should be the epic rock track. It kind of is like the epic rock track in like a real mainstream rock kind of goofy way. But I also feel like it's a bit undeniable. I'm okay with and it. And it's got that lyrical epicness too. Like it's, I, I don't really know what he's talking about in it, but there's <laughs> something epic unfolding. Uh, there's a journey. <laughs> there's something There's going a journey on, yeah. of some sort. I'm a drummer and... Just John Bonham's drumming. John Bonham's drumming at the tail end of that is uh, unbelievably great. Guitar. I'm not a guitar solo guy, but that's one song that I make an exception for. I love the epic guitar solo in that song. And Robert Plant singing, especially in that tag coda at the end. Yeah, it's cliche. Yeah, every dork who knows how to play three chords walks into a guitar store and starts strumming Stairway to Heaven. It can't help it. It's not the song's fault. The song is truly epic, and that's why it's such a cliche. Yeah, feels a little bit silly to argue for the benefits of Stairway to Heaven, but could be underrated at this stage, maybe. It's a stairway to heaven. <laughs> that's pretty epic. Yeah. Then that leaves us with three tracks in our list that we have to kind of decide which one to bring. Let It Happen by Tame Impala, Dance Yourself Clean by LCD Sound System, and then a very different song, Oh God, Where Are You Now by Sufjan Stevens. I guess it goes dancey and then like 2001 Sonic Trip and then Faith Crisis Meditation Folk Opus. <laughs> yeah, great. How, how do we approach these three? Okay, I think that's an easy one. I think we do Dance Yourself Clean just because we love Josh and hold Josh in such high esteem. And all three of us had that song on our three very separate lists. All right, all right. <laughs> We'll do it uh, in in honor of our, our good friend, Josh. I will go to bat for Let It Happen any day of the week. I'm so glad, so glad that we took an underappreciated, little-known Sufjan song and brought it into the top 11. That is, That delights me so much, but it stands yourself clean for me. Okay, cool. I'm down with that, too. Even though Stairway to Heaven goes from soft to quiet, LC Sound System goes from quiet to, like, loud in all caps <laughs> yeah it goes from imperceptible to deafening so then if we're going to take these three songs have narrowed it down to ranked three how do we approach that the easy third of the three 
to me, is Dance Yourself Clean. Okay, because that's what I was going to argue as well, as a third place spot. I love that song very, very, very much, and it's a worthy inclusion in the top three, but lyrically, it doesn't quite have the epicness of the other two. Totally. song about, you know, dancing is great, but uh, not quite accomplishing the same thing as the other two tracks. That's true. Yeah, he's he's wrestling with all kinds of relationships in it, like... There's some there's something epic going on there, but just not at the same level as climbing a stairway to actual heaven or the entire most formative uh, days of your youth in one track. Yeah, from like, you know, four or five different perspectives. And then between those two, between the Kendrick song and the Zeppelin song, musically, Zeppelin has the edge up. So does that mean that we'll have Dance Yourself Clean as number three and then Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst as number two? And then Stairway to Heaven is our number one epic song. The only reason I wouldn't have Stairway to Heaven as the number one best epic song of all time is because, of course, we're going to say yeah, Stairway right? to Heaven. Like, like, it is a little corny, but... Like the least original answer, but, you know, sometimes it's, uh, it fits. Things are cliche for a reason, man. Then that leaves us with, if you're good to lock it in, we have Dance Yourself Clean by LCD Sound System is number three, and then Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst by Kendrick Lamar is number two. And then our number one epic song is uh, Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. Of course it is. Which, like, Stairway to Heaven also is epic because it became the template for every song that wanted to be epic that came after it. Totally. Everyone's trying to do that. And it was a huge radio hit for, like, a decade. Like, longer than a decade. So epic in in many ways. And, you know, has become such a cliche because of its uh, epic nature. Great. I'm really really comfortable with that. Well, let's um, wrap up this epic podcast with uh, a piece of life advice chris what would you like to share with us today i was trying to think of something that would be like epic and funny but i i'm not good at that so i'll just say um just check in on your friends if you know that they're struggling check in on people you know and love if you know they're struggling i've been on both sides of that checking i've been the one needing to be checked in on and i've been the one doing the checking in it can be hard to to make the step to do that, and it's a risky thing to do to admit you need it, and it's very fulfilling uh, on both ends. So, uh, if there's somebody that you know is is wrestling uh, with mental health, with uh, life circumstances beating them down, uh, be the person that that uh, brings some light, brings some hope, uh, and reach out to them. Yeah, thank you, Chris, for that essential piece of life advice. Nothing more epic than bringing hope to somebody who needs it. Thank you. And thank you, Chris, for joining me on uh, another episode of the top three, like a truly, truly epic episode. Whenever you write epic, make sure it's in all cases everywhere all the time. Just to... <laughs> I know. I feel like I'm going to finish this, ep- this episode and then like never say that word again for like, <laughs> right. a few months. <laughs> uh, cool. We'll wrap here then. Thanks, Chris. Okay. Thanks, Karen. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. A big thank you to Chris for joining me today, and thank you so much for listening to the top three. We hope that you enjoyed our discussion of the best epic songs of all time. If you would like to suggest the topic to be discussed, or you just want to say hi, please leave a comment or message us on Instagram at the top three pod. You can also email us at the top three pod at gmail.com. The music feature in this podcast is by Sebastian Ochoa Mendoza. If you'd like to support this podcast, please tell your friends about it. I hope that you have a lovely day.